But I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's on the back of your shirt. Beauty, beauty, <laughs> a little free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. That's right, Brush Walsh. Volleyball is put in a nine by nine court, and this is the nine by nine. The eighty-one square meters is the best volleyball content on the internet. My name is Everett Delorme, coming in from Ottawa. To my right, to on your left, if if you're watching this, is the one, the only Mr. VLA, if if you will, Mr. Rob St. Clair, coming in from Chi Town. It has been. It's it's. We're down to the nitty gritty, Rob. This is the most intense part of the professional season. We've got Champions League. We've got CEV Cup. The playoffs are in full swing across Europe, and, and there's so much to talk to. But first and foremost, let's start with the CEV Champions League as we now know what the semifinals are going to look like on the men's side. Hoo-wee! This is going to be good. Zaxa taking on Perugia. Hawk Bacon taking on JSW. Where do we want to start here, Rob? What, what, what match are we talking about oh, first? Oh, man. So, yeah, b- boy, was it a week last week in CEV. Uh, I think last Wednesday, uh, we said a couple weeks ago on the show that we had a day. I think it was the, the first leg of men's quarterfinals that was the most fun day of CEV of the year. Uh, this past Wednesday, it was absolutely the most fun day of CEV of the year. And with the second leg of these quarterfinals, and there's a little CEV Cup drama in there couple golden sets so we'll get into all of that uh but here we now have confirmation of the semifinals zaxa versus perugia will be one of them that'll be fireworks and uh yeah, shemsky versus hawk bank conquer i think that'll be fireworks as well so final four of europe on the men's side is set how we got there no surprise in this one yeah shemsky completely destroyed friedrichshafen in the second leg uh, what it was like 24 to like 14 20 and 16 Get out of here. Thanks for participating, Friedrichshafen. Good job. Uh, go home and let the big boys play the rest of the tournament. Anything else to add to this, or can we move on? No, let's just move on. I mean, I, I love Friedrichshafen. We've got a bunch of Canadian guys on that, but they're just not up to the task when it comes to trying to get into the semifinals of the Champions League. Nope. So uh, Friedrichshafen out, tied for fifth. Yashemski advances. They were the number one seed in the bracket, as, you'll, as you may remember. We'll talk about those bracket seedings certainly later on. And the series that actually brought a lot more drama than a lot of us expected in a, a, a series and a match on last Wednesday that I really enjoyed watching was Berlin versus Perugia. Now, Perugia does advance like we all expected, but uh, I got to give a ton of credit to the Berlin recycling volleys going up two to one, like legitimately scaring Perugia in Italy and making this a way more competitive series than any of us thought Huge credit to Berlin for the fight that they showed, but in the end, it's the tournament favorites, Perugia, who go on to the semis, uh, like we all expected, but not quite as uh, convincing or one-sided to get there. Absolutely. I think Berlin kind of gained a little bit of my respect, but it's interesting to see how Berlin is in the Champions League versus how they are in the Bundesliga, even more so because there's no foreigner rules in the, in the Bundesliga. So what you have in the Champions League, like, there's, not, there's not any... Like it's it's no different to what it is in the, in the Bundesliga, but still, Berlin went out there and balled. I think guys like Sotola really raised their their level and raised their stock in 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 the overall volleyball world. 
Yeah, Sotola got blocked a lot. I got blocked 10 times, but uh, was obviously Berlin's primary scorer. I thought that he was better, actually, than both Perugia opposites. And Camille Rikliski started the match. We saw... Uh, we see Herrera much. Yeah, I mean, we saw him in the meaningless fifth set once Perugia won the fourth. It was over. But uh, I thought that that the way that Shotola played, both uh, mostly on the eye test, he would have been better than either Perugia opposite. And I, and I agree with you. I think a guy like Shotola really has increased his stock throughout this club season and is set to maybe make a move upwards in the offseason. And I, I know I've been looking at the chat already. There's a lot of rumors about transfers for next year. And I just wanted to reiterate our philosophy on that, that we're not going to talk any about the, I'll talk about any of that right now because there's still club volleyball being played. We don't like addressing all these transfer rumors for next season before this season's even over. So uh, we'll do a dedicated show for all the offseason moves later on after club season is over. We're going to stay away from that for now. But a guy like Shotola, the way he's played and dominated the Bundesliga, if, if he were to move up to a league like Italy or Poland, it would be well-deserved. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting in this one, uh, Leon starting on the bench, but Semenyuk. Just just not looking great. It, it's quite clear to me that he hasn't been 100% comfortable this year uh, in Perugia. He's not the Semenyuk that we've known from years past playing for Zaxa. But, of course, Zaxa is his hometown club. It's the club that, that he grew up with. It's the club that groomed him. Um, so, you know, a different country, different language, so many different things for Camille Semenyuk. And, I mean, I think it's interesting in general that Leon started on the bench. But when you have... Plotnitsky and, and Semenyuk and the roster that uh, Perugia does doesn't really matter. This this has been a nice topic of conversation in the Discord the last couple weeks is what has happened to Camille Semenyuk this year and there is a school of thought that I've seen from some people talking in the Discord which you should join by the way if you haven't already that Semenyuk actually hasn't had that bad of a year at all. He just happens to be sitting behind two of the best outside hitters on the planet and mm-hmm. you could argue with the seasons that both Wilfredo Leon and Ole Plotnitsky had, you could absolutely argue that. I mean, Plotnitsky's stat line in this one, 14 for 23, zero errors, a block, and three aces. I mean, nobody. I I don't care if you're the reigning Champions League MVP. You're not seeing the court over that. I I really liked how Perugia's offense was so spread out. 16 for Ritlicki, 18 for Leon. 15 for uh, Soleil, 14 for Russo. I mean, the, their blocking was insane. 15 blocks for uh, Perugia in this one. And then another 18 for, for Plotnitsky. Just spreading that offense like peanut butter on toast. Yeah, uh, Gianelli is doing a phenomenal job in Perugia, earning that block devil's nickname for sure. And yeah, you're right about Wilfredo Leone. He started on the bench because I, I'm. it's hard to blame Perugia for thinking they could get this done with Semenyuk and Plotnitsky, as good as those mm-hmm. guys are. And uh, Berlin gets all the credit. They come out and take the first set uh, in, in overtime, show some clutch, and then uh, they have to bring Leone off the bench at some point to kind of rescue things. And uh, he certainly helped. He had four blocks as well, including the one that won the fourth set to clinch the series for Perugia so um, it's it's crazy that a, a guy like Leon being the best player in the world can start on the bench and just be kind of chilling ready to go if his team needs him come in and just t- totally take command like that he's so special yeah absolutely all right let's move on to the next one and I'm gonna say Rob I called it um, it didn't happen quite as easily as I thought it would but eventually they got it the job done Halkbank Ankara wins uh, 15-12 in the golden set here. Lube was fantastic throughout this match. Um, but it, you know, it, 
hey, you, you got to get the job done when you got the job done. How about Ivan Zaitsev, though? My goodness, looking like a youngster out there, 31 for 48, 65% hitting, 32 points overall, but all for not really at the end of the day as Ankara wins that golden set. It was the best I've seen Ivan Zaitsev play since he was like 25. He was he was absolutely automatic. Uh, his, his only area where he kind of struggled was the service line. He didn't really take over in that area, but he was untouchable offensively. And uh, the difference for Lube for sure was reception. We, we talked about it last week after that first leg where Hawkbank served him off the court. Nikolov couldn't pass the ball. Botolo couldn't pass the ball. Like Nobody could pass the ball. And this time for Lube, it was significantly better. Um Still nine aces for Hawk Bank is a lot, but uh, Lube's passing percentages were at least like able to keep them competitive. And uh, Lube did a better job, not a great job of mitigating their errors. But I mean, really, Lube was the better team in the match. But kind of like, yep. kind of like I said in the last show when we talked about this, even if Lube wins that one three zero three to one to force a golden set at home, which they did. You're not stopping Namir Abdelaziz in a, in a do or die game to 15. You're not going to stop him. He is too singularly dominant. He is too strong willed. He is too good to when when it when the game gets onto the line like that. Game to 15 with the season on the line. Namir is just not going to be stopped, and that was exactly the case. No, absolutely. It's too bad. I can't. We can't. The stats from just old and set the CV. Uh, uh, website allows you to go set by step not the golden set which hey come on let's figure that out but it, out. it was just it was all in the mirror in in that set he was absolutely dominant i mean jeski was, was good too he had 20 points um in this one was really efficient again 50 percent yeah. attack efficiency it was awesome yeah but you know what i i called it um there's just a weird makeup of, on this Lube team this year. And I mean, if it wasn't for Zaitsev coming out with an all-world performance uh, in 32 with 32 points, um, you know, it just it just it just wouldn't they wouldn't have even got there. Right. So, um, yeah, definitely. but I do think that this is great building for this young Lube team. You know, guys like uh, Nikolov, of course getting to to get out there and and feel that yant getting out there and and experience experiencing that loss because i think that's going to fuel them for years to come well the, it we can talk about this later because we're not done talking about lube in this show we'll get to the italian playoffs later on but uh, lube has got an uphill battle to even participate in champions league next year as remember you got to finish yeah, top true. top three in the italian playoffs to even get that spot and that's uh, that that's going to be pretty competitive as we'll talk about later, but yeah, uh, Hawkbank well-deserved. I mean, it, it's, it's uh, again, you can't overstate the impact that Thomas Jeschke has just that huge, reliable, like legitimate offensive threat on the left side to allow Nicolas Bruno to be terrible offensively to hit 0% on only 11 attempts. Like you don't need him to do more than that because you have probably the best opposite on the planet and a legitimate big, like mature high level score on the left side. So you don't need any more than from that than Bruno. I'm really curious to see if Hawkbank can match up with Yashimsky in the next round. Cause that is a, a level of clean volleyball that Yashimsky typically plays, especially with Tony Uti at the helm that Lube is just very, very different than Lube gives away a lot of points for free. Yashimsky will not do that. So I'm curious to see how Hawkbank manages. Yeah, it, it definitely should be interesting, but I don't think that, uh, JSW has the ability to score has anyone who can score 32 points in the match yeah, right boy there's, there's, if he's good but that that's a question mark for sure yeah we haven't we haven't seen that since the beginning of the season everyone's yeah. getting back on on boy they have they had they have tape on him and he's you know 
he's he's pretty good at best pretty pretty good right at best right now uh is is boy is stefan boyer so it's gonna it's really gonna be interesting plus you're really gonna see i think that match jc over top of tony uh in that match i think that hulk bank is going to want to really explode that that's going to be huge. But yeah, I see Yashemsky is having more options on offense and being a better ball control team in general. Uh, but Hulk mm-hmm. Bank's service firepower might be effective too. So that's going to be a really fun series. I think that starts uh, not this week, but maybe next week. Uh, is that right for the, the semifinal legs of Champions League? Let's look at that really quick. Uh, yeah, 29th. So um, 29th is Zoxta versus Perugia, 30th. So next Thursday is the start of that Hulk Bank versus Yashemsky series. Going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm, I think so. Can't wait. Can't wait for the semifinals. It's Speaking be awesome. of series that were awesome. Oh my goodness, Everett. Trentino versus Zaxa again. It was the fourth match between these two we've seen this season. It is the third year in a row we've seen these teams play at some point in Champions League, including the last two finals. Trentino wins the match in five at home, but Zaxa wins the golden set to keep the three-peat alive. This was one of the best series I have ever seen. Yeah, I mean, it, it's getting more and more consistent now that when you see these two teams, they're developing quite a bit of a little rivalry. Awesome. Um, uh, it has been, though, quite one-sided, given the fact that Zaxa has win, won all three of those series. Um, Trentino's won a few when it doesn't matter, uh, like in pool play, but Zaxa has got it done, done in the finals two years in a row, and now in the quarterfinals in, in this one. Um but yeah, I mean, just two quality teams, two well-coached teams, two of the best organizations in men's professional volleyball. What else would you expect? What else would you expect? And a, a friendly reminder, as you talk about games between these two that don't matter, like the like the, time, the two matches they played in pools, going all the way back to week six, and I've talked about this a lot, but it really bears repeating. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring this Absolutely. up. Absolutely. <laughs> Trentino needed to 3-0 Zoxa in week, in week six of pools to have a chance at the one seed. They did not do that. They lost the first two sets. Then, for some inexplicable reason, they kept the starters in. They ended up winning the match in five and got a significantly worse bracket draw, having to see Zoxa in the quarterfinals because of it. If Trentino had just lost that match like they should have done, they would have saved their starters a match worth of volleyball, which is big as, as often as they play, and they would have played Hulk Bank Ankara instead of Zaxa in the quarterfinal. I would like to think that Trentino would match up pretty darn well against Hulk Bank Ankara. They would have had a much better road. Instead, they give themselves two more matches against Zaxa, which I, as a fan, am never going to complain about because it was, again, one of the best series we've ever seen, two five-setters in a golden set. But Trentino's got to be kicking themselves. This was completely avoidable for them just to manage the, the tournament correctly, going all the way back to pools, and instead they're out in fifth. So I guess you reap what you sow. But again, as a fan, this is just an absolute treat. I'll never get sick of watching these two teams play each other. No, absolutely not. Honestly, give us more. Like, let's just make a, let's just make a super league where they're all together in one big pool, all, all the top teams. I mean, I guess that's what, uh, that's what uh, the Champions League is, but you're right. Like just never going to get tired of, of watching these two teams compete. They play so similarly. They're two quality organizations. Like I said, just, you got to love it. Um, gotta love look, it. Looking at the stats from this one as well. Kajmarek was lights out 27 points. He was 23 for 46. Um, he did get blocked five times, but no unforced errors. Uh, uh, Zoxa was able to keep the errors down quite a bit. Only eight in the match, which is, Incredible considering they played, (laughs) yeah. Considering they played uh, six sets altogether, that's 
unreal. Same on the Trentino side, though. Like, only nine unforced errors. Uh, Trentino's serving numbers were pretty good. Like, 19 errors in six sets is not bad. Um, it's actually better than Zaxa's from the service line. But, I mean, 19 blocks for Zaxa in six sets is a big, big number. Six for Bednors alone. Kaziski was blocked 10 times. That is a big advantage that I thought Trentino had. I thought that Trentino was the better blocking team in this matchup, and Zaxa blocked the lights out. That was a very pleasant surprise on their side. Really? You thought Trentino was the better blocking team? Interesting. They're bigger at every position. They're, they're bigger at every single position. They have Micheletto and Lavia, two of the best left-side blockers in the world. They have two monstrous middles who both dwarf the corresponding Zaxa middles, and then they have Kaziski and Spertoli, who are both awesome. I mean, that should be a better lineup, blocking lineup than Zaxa's, but uh, I mean, give, the, give the Zaxa front court a ton of credit, man. They played great. I do think that Kajmarek is bigger and probably a bit, a little bit more skilled than, than Kaziski. Like, and he naturally slots in on the right side, uh, as a, as opposed to, as opposed to, uh, Kaczynski, who's typically, he was traditionally a, a left side hitter, right? Plus like Bednor's is big. As we can see, he got six blocks in this one. That's a, that's a huge for him. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Norbert Huber came off the bench and was key. Uh, um, about time we see him, kind of have an effect on matches again i mean only a little over a year ago he tore his achilles which is a devastating injury but remember before that last year he had a pretty legitimate mvp case in the plus liga as a middle so it's good to see him get back to healthy and get some and get some run and then be significant he had a four blocks two aces six kills for 12 points in like three and a half sets that's awesome yeah awesome to see this was a great series love to see it can't wait to see can't wait to see more of it sad that it, we're gonna have to wait until next year though we probably will have to wait till next year uh and now we get zaxa versus perugia and the storylines there just write themselves i mean you got semeniuk against his old team i know we've got conversations in the live chat right now about does semeniuk even deserve to start which uh you could argue either way uh you've got i mean zaxa has won the last two champions leagues perugia all they do when they're supposed to win is choke in series like this so uh, i'm just fascinated to watch this really really excited yeah, that's going to be another fun one. I do think that you're going to see Semenyuk at some point, right? Like, For sure. If you're on Anastasi, you know that you need to put him in. You know that you want to see him up against uh, his old team, um, especially once they go to Zox. But that could go either way. Like, It could either be really great or it could be very terrible Horrible. for Semenyuk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it for Perugia right now. 100%. Leon and Plonitsky are playing like two of the be best three left sides in the world at least it, they're both on another level right now so uh fascinated to see that 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 series starts next wednesday zoxa versus perugia i mean the, the champions league semifinals are just the best because it's it's at least it's the four last teams in the tournament and usually they're the four best teams in all of europe i think that maybe trentino would have had a case if they were on the other side of the bracket. But regardless, the fact that we get to see four matches total between these four teams is just awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I do kind of wish that the finals was like a home and home leg uh, as well. Like, like we see in the, in the quarterfinals and the semifinals just to get more of it. But I mean, Hey, this is what soccer does. And we're just soccer's <laughs> little brother. No, I, I do like the super finals. I think the super finals is one match is, is a pretty cool deal. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, the semis have, uh, like just just the, the home crowds in the semifinals are awesome. Like thinking back to Trentino versus Perugia last year, how amazing, amazing that was. This is going to be fun. Going to be fun stuff. And so, yeah, four teams left in Champions League. Uh, this is the bracket, by the way, in case anyone's curious. 
I've gotten to this point. Matchups from here on out are pretty simple. Absolutely. Kind of crazy that we only have one Italian team left, right? Like we've seen Italian domination over, over the past few years. One Italian team, two Polish teams. As you said, that could have that could have been a little bit different. Um if if it wasn't for you know some smart some smarter playing, but hey, this this is what we got. Yep. So uh, I think that's about it for Champions League, but that wasn't all for CEV drama last week. Everett on the men's side, sure enough, <laughs> unbelievably enough, the figure it out a week of the award sponsored by Vero Valley Malonza <laughs> once again goes to Piacenza for losing a golden set to Nak Rusolare to be eliminated from the CEV Cup. What are we doing? Piacenza wins it at home 3-0, to zero, no problem, but because of laying an egg on the road the week before, uh, they give up a chance in a golden set. Rusolare comes from, they were down pretty significantly, at least 8-5, to five, maybe even 9-5 to five in the golden set, and Piacenza just could not finish the job. Mac Rusolare out of Belgium, who dropped down from Champions League to CV Cup, uh, upsets Piacenza, and they're going to the finals. Piacenza, figure it out, you guys. Why? What are we doing here? This, to me, is just a team that gets a little too confident, right? Uh, playing for a club that isn't used to winning, right? Um, I mean, we see it at all levels. We saw it in the U Sports Men's Finals this, this, this past weekend. We're going to talk about that uh, a little bit at the end. But when you're a team that's expected to win, like you, you need to get the job done. And they got the job done in the first match, 3-0. Absolutely. That, that's what that's what needed to happen. You force that golden set. But it's just a set to 15, right? Dial it in, figure it out, and 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 just get it done. There's no reason them reason for them to be losing to Nak Roslar. Roslar. Yeah, no, this, no this, this is tough. Yeah. This, There's this no is, excuse. This is really tough uh, for Piacenza especially I would love for Ronnie to be in the chat and maybe he has some insight on how Simone feels right now. Um, because he told us when, when he came on the show for his birthday about how, you know, he views like Simone talks about how, you know, Piacenza as an organization just isn't up to it compared to Lupe. Uh, and I would, it's really interesting to think that what would have happened if Piacenza would have been in the champions league this year. Uh, I think they would have crashed and burned. I really do. I think they probably would have too. We talk about it a lot. There's good organizations in volleyball and there's bad ones. And uh, there's a, a reason why the figured out of the week award is sponsored by Vero Volley Malonza on the women's side. And the Piacenza wins the award, the award so often is because they're in similar spots in the way that their franchises are operating and just cannot figure it out. If you don't think that matters, if you don't think the quality of the organization matters, I mean, you, you can you can look at the results of teams like that versus a team like Trentino or Zaxa who continues to play above their perceived level of talent. And so Piacenza, I mean, uh, Robert Landy Simone was amazing and it just didn't matter. Seven for eight, four blocks and an ace. Like what more do you want from the big man? Yuri Romano offensively, not good enough. Yuan de Leal, not good enough. Like they, they just cannot figure it out. And when, when you have a lead midway through a golden set against an inferior team, there's no excuse for a team of this makeup to not get that done. No, none at all. Absolutely not. But on the other side, Big ups for Knack Rosalaire for, for totally. getting through. We've seen this isn't the first time time that we've seen a lesser club. Like remember Tools upsetting Modena last year. Like it just seems the the CEV Cup seems to be the place where upsets happen. You know? And I, I love I, that. Yeah, I just think that maybe some of the bigger the, the the bigger players don't care about it as much. You know, if it's not the Champions League, it's just the CEV Cup. Whatever. 
Yeah, you can kind of feel that some of the clubs or some of the guys are. You can point your finger wherever you want, but when they then they see CEV Cup, they kind of think they're too good for it. If it's not Champions League, just like you said, Modena last year, Piacenza this year. I mean, we even saw Modena who will play in the finals in this CV Cup. They kind of slept on Lundberg in that first match a couple of rounds ago before uh, getting yeah. that one done eventually. But uh, this this does happen. It does happen when you have a team that takes the CV Cup tournament more seriously. Uh, sometimes that's all you need. And so Nat Grusolari does advance to the finals where they will take on Modena. Uh, Modena got past Scrab Belkatov on the road. And uh, I mean, Modena is going to be the heavy favorite there, but Nat Grusolari has got nothing to lose and a whole bunch of confidence right now. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, I do still favor Modena uh, in that one. So For sure. We'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to see that goes. All right. Do we want to do the women's now, Rob? No, not yet. We have one more CEV men's tournament to talk about, and that is the Challenge Cup. It is over. Uh, Olympiakos out of Greece beat Maccabi Tel Aviv 3-0. I mean, 6 to nothing in sets. Great. Congratulations. This should have been a Champions League team. They chose not to play Champions League and play Challenge Cup instead. They were by far the best team in that tournament. Good job. Have your have, have your hardware. Great. Yeah. Let, let's let's keep it moving. Let's keep Challenge moving. Cup. Challenge Cup doesn't matter, especially when you get teams like Tel Aviv uh, in the finals. It did matter a little while ago. You had Italian teams there, but uh, all right. Moving moving back to the Champions League on the women's side. Um, plenty plenty of action going on recently in the quarterfinals. Um, a lot of a lot of interesting stuff going down so far, Rob. Where do we want to start on the women's side? So let's see. Last week we had already talked about uh, Novara beating Stuttgart in the first mm-hmm. leg and Zajabasha beating Zhezhov in the first leg. So, yep. but where we need to catch up is the two from last week and then the one that was earlier today. So, yep. let's start chronologically with last week's Vakif Bank versus Malonza game. That was last Wednesday. And that might have been the best Vakif Bank performance the entire season. They were on another level. Yeah, they were. You could tell that they had it. They had something to prove, right? And they wanted to prove that they were a, a still one of the best teams, and that they could still rock it because things haven't been going that great for them in the Sutla Ligi. They've been a little bit rocky, losing two matches in pool play, and they came out and balled. Didn't even let uh, Malonza get past twenty. They just went all out for this one, and uh, I like it. I like that they were able to to stamp, put their stamp on it, and be like, "Yo, guys, we're still here. Don't forget about us." Huge, huge confidence building game for Vakif Bank. It was the best John Suozbai has looked all year, uh, setting the ball. It was probably the best I've ever seen Karabayama play, uh, getting some nice support from the second outside position. Let's just look at these some of these numbers. They killed sixty four percent of balls as a team. Yeah, fifty four for eighty four as a team. With only six errors, that's completely insane. Well over 50% efficiency as a team. 10 blocks in three sets. 61% positive passing as a team. Like, j- just absolute execution masterclass by Gadetti's girls. They were, they, they were untouchable that particular day. No, nobody in the world was going to beat them when, if they play like that. And can they continue to play like that is kind of the question. Most importantly for me is that you had Gabby and Agonu both looking at yes. the same time together. What we really haven't seen that all that much. Egonu had 28 sets, 21 points. Gabby had 24 sets. Uh, she had 18 points, and I think that was a big thing. Also a big factor, Jordan Larson was not good. She was 2 for 11 in this match and didn't start the third. Um, that's rough when you have someone 
uh, like Larson. I mean, Davis Giba only played that one set, only started the, the third set and came off the, the bench in sets one and two and had more points than Larson. So it's really tough for, for a team to succeed when one of your quote-unquote superstars isn't getting the job done. Yep, that's not going to work. Jordan Thompson was okay, not great. Uh, just at the end of the day, Vodka Bank was too good. And I really yep. think it was it was a one-sided affair. Not, nobody was going to stop them that day. So that was last Wednesday. Six days later, uh, they played another match in Italy. And I think we might as well skip to the one from today, Everett. Which so much was, for chronological. <laughs> well, I mean, we're already talking about it. There's people talking about it in the chat already. Uh, let's stick with the same series. Significantly better battle today uh, in Milano. Uh, Malonza takes the first and the third, but Vakov Bank uh, taking the fourth set, um, getting two sets. They are able to advance. Really, really good match. A lot more balanced. Uh, Malonza was better, but not good enough. Yeah, no, I mean, anytime you see Agonu score 36 points, um, you know you're going to have a rough time. She, 36, had, she wasn't crazy. She wasn't that efficient. She was 31 for 74. She had 74 sets uh um in this one and once again you see gabby's numbers go way down she only had nine points in in this one so once again i I really think that they they need to find that balance because they demolished malonza in that in that first match and then gave uh, agonu 74 sets uh but still i mean it it worked out also 19 points for uh cara bayama that's that's pretty awesome as well um, and on the other side of the net, Jordan Thompson, 25 for 56. She was pretty good. Larson bounced back, and she was 12 for 31. But ultimately, at the end of the day, 41% hitting uh, and seven blocks was just not enough for, for Malonza. Yeah, this was a, a good match, and it was a meaningless fifth set, unfortunately. We sometimes get those in, in Champions League. But a, a very good match, significantly better. I thought Milano or Malonza, whatever we're going to call him, defended very, very well. I think they made some really good uh, backcourt defensive adjustments. Uh, Larson was touching all kinds of balls. Jordan Thompson in position one dug a bunch of balls. Alessia Oro dug a bunch of balls. Uh, credit to them for sort of figuring out the matchup and applying a little bit more service pressure. Uh, six aces for Milano and uh, Bank's passing numbers were good, but not as good as they were the week before. Um, hence, chucking 74 balls to Egonu. But um, Egonu was really good, and her former teammate, Miriam Silla, on the Malonza, on the Malonza side, not good at all, eight for 33 errors. So um, yeah. when you put the whole wing picture together for both teams, Vakif Bank still had the better performance. Yeah, I mean, Malonza just needs to figure it out. They've got so many nice pieces, but none of them fit, fit together. Uh, it's kind of just what we've been, been talking about all year. Yeah, pretty much. So uh, All right. Malonza bows out of the tournament in tied for fifth. Vakif Bank is the first semifinalist. We've got a couple others to crown this week, but we got to talk about the other matchup, which was maybe the surprise of the year, Everett. An absolute Absolutely. demolition by Fenerbahce of perhaps the best team in the world in Coneliano. Big old three-dong, 19-17-19. Wow. I'm going to say, not that I called it, but I kind of called it, <laughs> um, in previous shows, you've been saying that you didn't really see Fenerbahce pushing Cagliano and that you really need to to get them off, uh, off from the baseline. I mean, hey, that's what Fenerbahce did in this one. They had eight aces, but ultimately, they just spread that offense out all, out so well between um, Federer Seva, Ana Cristina, Melissa Vargas, 
all of them hitting into the teens. 14 for Federatseva, 14 for Anna Christina, and 15 for Melissa Vargas. The middle like wasn't even a factor. They were just going high not balls to the outside. And Canigliano just could not handle it. They had a rough day, um, especially in serve receive. It was like one of the biggest lopsided momentum games of volleyball I've ever seen at this high of a level. Like the crowd in Istanbul was absolutely on Caneliano from first serve. Uh, Fenerbahce came out, punched him in the mouth to start all three sets, 8-4, 8-7, and 8-4, like the splits that came out of the gate so fast. Uh, all three wings were absolutely outstanding. Uh, by far the best I've ever seen Ana Cristina play. Uh, Federovseva was great. She had four aces, and Vargas was certainly good. There was just nothing, nothing, nothing Corneliano could do to slow them down. Not good enough passing. Both outside hitters were pretty bad, uh, Plummer and Robinson Cook. Uh, it wasn't Isabel Hawk's best game by any means. And Ten for 30. Not and good with enough. four unforced errors as well. Yeah. And it's just, it's just one that if you're Santorelli, who I think it's fair to call the best coach in the world on the women's side, he, his job right now is to forget that match entirely and try to fix it at home this week. That is all you can do yeah. when you get the break speed off you like that. Yeah, they really need to try to force that golden set um, against Fenerbahce, obviously, or they're dead. But it just seemed like Canigliano never get any rhythm going. Hawk was the only one to score into the double digits. Um, they had, you know, different players who just, just weren't working. Only four kills um, for Plummer, six for uh, Kelsey Robinson-Cook. Just a no rhythm. And you could tell that to the injury to, to Alexa Gray. They just didn't have it to anyone to go to. Um, uh, offensively on the left side, had she been around, I mean, they weren't passing great either, so she probably wouldn't have been able to affect it. And I know Gray would have been a bit of an outlet. So it's going to be really interesting. When's that match? Is that going to be tomorrow or Thursday? That this week? is Thursday. So uh, the rest of the week, we've got Novara versus Stuttgart tomorrow. Uh, Wednesday, we've got Zajabasha versus Zhezhov and Kaneliano versus Fenerbahce, both on Thursday. Uh, both bangers. Uh, the Turkish team's it's very possible that we see three Turkish teams in out of the four in the semis on the women's side. That would be very interesting. Very, very interesting, especially since, you know, the way that Fenerbahce has been playing. I mean, you, you do have to go into a hostile environment and everyone knows it's tough to go into Istanbul and win games, especially with, um, I, I against a Turkish crowd right now that I feel has a lot to play for. Oh yeah. Just, emo just emotionally. Um, and Fenerbahce being one of the most legendary clubs, like not only in Turkey, but in the world, I, I think that means a lot to them. Like they, they almost represent all of Turkey. Um, so yeah, it's, it's awesome to see, but very interesting to see Canigliano up on the ropes like this. Um, they're going to have to play really, really well on Thursday to get out of this situation. Yes, they are. So we saw two golden sets out of the four quarterfinal series on the men's side and uh, only three left on the women's side. Which one to you, Everett, do you think has the most golden set potential? Oh, 100% Canigliano versus Fenerbahce. I agree. Right? Well, there, there's no I doubt. Like, we haven't seen Canigliano lose two matches in a row this season. Um, they've lost so few, like, was this the third match lost overall? Uh, like third, maybe. Yeah, like maybe. Two, maybe two even in, second. Yeah, maybe. Have they lost two games in Superliga or just? I thought it was or, only one. They lost. Yeah. Okay. So then. this is only the second match that they've lost all season. Um, this is a team that is poised to bounce back. They have the best, the best coach in the game. One of the best organizations in the game. I would be 
incredibly surprised if they let Fenerbahce walk into their barn and let and win two sets. I know that the the club has already posted that the Thursday night game is sold out. Like you Good. better believe that Canigliano crowd is is going and to be called upon to turn help them turn the tide in that matchup. And, and it, I'm, I'm I'm excited for it. It better be hostile. Oh yeah, it better be loud and it better be hostile. Like. I'm, I'm Italian expecting. fans are occasionally loud, but they are never hostile. And I, and I would like to see a little bit more spice from them after they got the brake speed off of them last week. Um, Burkai in, in the chat is saying that Fenerbahce had UEFA Euro League, which is soccer. See, UEFA um, Euro League is basketball and then volley. No, yeah, Euro League is basketball. UEFA, I'm guessing, is that Champions League that, that's, um, yeah. or, or Europa, Europa Cup for soccer and Champions League on the same day. Uh, last week, and all three of them were played in sold-out stadiums. Awesome! That's so wow. awesome! Wow! 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 Would love to would love to go and experience what a Fenerbahce game is like because I'm sure it is absolutely bananas. But I bet you it's also going to be bananas in Canigliano on Thursday for this one. Yeah, uh, I think that Zajibash will get past Zhezhov no problem, and uh, Novara versus Stuttgart in Italy. Uh, I would probably pick Novara there. But yeah, I, I could yep. easily see uh, Corneliano forcing a golden set, and I am excited to watch it. That's Thursday, 3.30 p.m. Eastern. All right. Going to be a good one. All right, a couple other things in CEV on the women's side, just to catch up with those other tournaments. Uh, we we didn't have any CEV Cup last week. We had it two weeks ago. We already talked about THY beating Scandici. The second leg is tomorrow. So THY versus Scandici is tomorrow. Let's see what time that's at, because um, that is basically the final. Yeah, it's tomorrow at noon Eastern. And then uh, Thursday is the other side of the bracket, uh, Alba Blas from Romania versus Targa Viste. Who cares? Whoever wins that is going to lose to the winner of THY and Scandici. So that's kind of it for CV Cup on the women's side. And then uh, Challenge Cup on the women's side, Chieri out of Italy as the inside track. Their second leg is Wednesday uh, tomorrow. So great chance they hoist that trophy. Interesting that we see Chieri uh, in the Challenge Cup, but no men's teams from Italy uh, in the Challenge Cup. Yeah. I yeah, don't really know yeah. exactly how the the Challenge Cup draws work, like how the distribution works from the leagues, and like what place you have to get to get into which tournament. Because I remember Milano on the men's side won Challenge Cup a couple years ago, like when Spertoli was there, and I think when Stephen Marr was riding the bench behind Ishikawa the whole year. I'm pretty sure they won Challenge Cup that year, but I haven't seen an Italian men's team in that tournament in a while. No, not not since then. And I mean, Stephen Marr did come off the bench to help them win that Challenge Cup, just for. <laughs> Just, just to uh, for uh, back up my boy there. Yeah. For <laughs> well, sure. before we talk about Italian men's teams, Everett, because I think that's next up. Uh, what are you wearing over there? Oh, you know, just the nine by nine squared uh, T-shirt. It's the only one uh, that I didn't bring to the U Sports with me because it was it was dirty and it needed to get washed. But I had quite a few people ask about the sweaters. And hey, if you if you asked me about the sweaters, you saw me wearing it this weekend. Uh, you can get it here, that volleyball.store. Use the code SPICY to get 15% off all of your favorite 9x9 and spicy volleyball gear. Yep, great stuff up there. Uh, hit up that volleyball.store. Use the discount code while we still are feeling nice enough to give it to you. And uh, let's see, how are we doing on, on the numbers for the video? Uh, 12 likes. We've got a lot of viewers. Let's give us, uh, give us a couple more thumbs up on this thing. I've got a lot of volleyball to talk about if you're enjoying it. Uh, Give us a thumbs up here on the video and join the Discord. If you're not already in the Discord, uh, you're crazy. We've had a, a lot of people joining the last couple of days, so let's keep that going. 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. A lot of Canadians joined in the past couple, the past few days due to uh, due U due U to the U Sports National Championships. All right, Rob, let's move on to the Super Lega playoffs. Um, it was a fun first day uh, of the playoffs, as we see there. Can, er, Perugia going up one nothing on Milano. Verona going up one nothing on Lube. Trentino going up one nothing on Monza, and Modena going up one nothing on Piacenza. Honestly, it's pretty much like status quo. I know technically Verona is the lower ranked team, but beneath Lube. But the way those two teams have been playing this it's in the second half of the season, that to me is is kind of flipped um, quickly. I don't really want to touch on the Perugia versus Milano game too, too much because, hey, it was 3 nothing, 22-15 and 18. But, damn, Herrera, 15 for 19. Yeah, he was awesome. Um, for 17 points. And on the other side, Ishikawa was 12 for 17 for a 71 uh, hitting percentage. At, at the end of the day, Perugia was just too much. 41 kills to uh, Milano's 31 and just way, 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 way more efficient, hitting 68% as a team, whereas Milano could only muster a 45. 68% kills as a team is just ridiculous. Yeah. There's just and, nothing and, you can do to slow down a team when they hit like that. Yeah, it was it was just dominant. Like, they dominated in blocks 11-2, to two, um, dominated in aces 5-2, to two, kills 41-31. to 31. Uh, They passed way better. 44% positive, 29% perfect compared to 32 and 17. I mean, Milano needs to do something incredibly special. Ishikawa needs to be hitting like a 70% with over 20 kills. Uh, and someone else needs to, to jump up. Like Maguerrego needs to have a much better game than four for 13 um, with a minus efficiency getting with two unforced errors and, and two blocks for yep. them to be at, at all relevant. Not um, good enough. I think Milano's, I think Milano's only chance is tomorrow at home. I think that is their only chance. Uh, all four of the quarterfinals game two is are, are, are tomorrow, all of them three thirty Eastern. If Milano has any chance to stay alive, they've got to win that game at home. I don't see it. Uh, it's, it, I thought it was interesting, the choice to start Jesus Herrera. Obviously, it paid off because he was amazing. But yeah. um, we've, we've kind of seen most of the year, the move has been to start Rickliski and see what you get out of him. And if he's bad, you put Herrera in. But uh, if, you, if you go 15 for 19, you earn yourself a lot more playing time. I wonder if the, he was just tired, you know, after yeah, the, Champions League, the Champions League match against Berlin that went uh, went to uh, the distance. And I think another team that was tired uh, coming to the playoffs was Lube because it was a much different team for Lube playing against Verona. They hit 40% as a team. They had 15 errors and got blocked seven times. Did Lube Ivan Zaitsev was a shadow of what he was in the champions league. He was 11 for 28 with five unforced errors and got blocked twice. Um, just not great offensively for Lube. And I mean, it goes from bad to worse as they get kicked out of Champions League and lose their first round in the playoffs. So this match was actually really good. I know it was three to zero, but I mean, 26 24, 31 29, 26 24, Verona wins. Uh, like fun overtime, kind of like I, I predicted on last week's show. This series is going to be sort of a sloppy slugfest, like just a lot of big banging high swings, probably a lot of unforced errors. And uh, sure enough, Lube is, is continued to break hitting error records on the year. What is going on with Marlon Yant? Why has he been so, so bad this year? Eight for 23, seven errors, passed like trash, didn't contribute from the service line, just invisible out there. 
And and I, I don't understand why he's not getting taken out of the lineup sooner. I mean, who do the who do you go to then? Botolo? I guess. Like, I guess. But even then, like he wasn't great and, and he got pulled off, right? So it's really between Botolo and, and Yant. Although when you're looking at the numbers here, I don't know why you would take off Botolo in, instead of uh, Nikolov, Nikolov yeah. instead of Yant because like Nikolov or, or Botolo was passing better than Yant, much better than Yant, in fact, and was hitting better um, and was serving better. So yeah, just interesting choices there um, by by Lube in general. I think that they probably should have taken off Yant instead of uh, Botolo and put on Nikolov in, instead, but um Maybe, you know, maybe Yang is a little bit overrated. Let's be honest. Like, he doesn't even start for Cuba, right? Lopez and Cajejo. So uh, maybe this is a guy that's just a little bit overrated and has only really succeeded on a Lube team where, you know, there's a fantastic setter and there's so many other pieces around him to, to get the job done. Like last year, when you've got Robert Landy Simone, he's going to draw so much attention uh, from the defense and from the block that you're always going to have more opportunities whereas now it's just not the same Lube team they're passing out of system way more um and he's getting targeted quite a bit more so i have a question everett last year Lube won the scudetto kind of on the shoulders of robert landy simone and one of the best series we've ever seen by luciano de checo just was brilliant in last year's final they lose simone to piacenza they lose their former spiritual leader Osmani Wantarena to the Chinese league and then Turkey. Who's the leader on Lube's team right now? That's the big question for me. And I, I think at times it's Zeitz, but I don't think even when he with like with Italy, I don't think he's ever been like the leader. No. He's a guy that goes out there and scores a lot of points, but I don't think he's the 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 emotional leader. And, the, and this to me is just a team that doesn't have much leadership. The Checo's not a leadership guy. Right, no. I would rank like Checo can phone it in every so often. I think he's kind of starting to do that this year. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so yeah, I just think that there's a lot of averageness, and they really need that leader. I think even if you just had Simone on this team without Wantarena, like it would be a much different situation. Um, because you know we've seen Gabby Garcia struggle, we've seen Botolo be kind of average, we've seen Yant struggle, Nikolov isn't even 20 years old. He, need a lot, he needs a lot of guidance, but you're not getting it. Like you got Chin and Yeze, who's quiet. Um, Zaitsev, who isn't like, he's very much, a, I'm not going to say he's not a team player. And, and that's not at all what I'm alluding, alluding to, but he's a, I take care of myself kind of guy. Uh, and I do my job kind of guy. And he's not really the type to like lift up the other players. So yeah, just a, a huge lack of leadership. And you know, you're playing against a, a Verona team that has something to prove, right? And they want to go out there and prove that that they can be uh, among the best. And, I mean, hey, with with this result, it, it could be interesting. I mean, a smarter team is going to go at them a little bit hard, harder from the baseline, but I don't know if they truly have the ability to do that. Yeah, seven aces for Lube. I mean, they're, they're targeting a lot of Nomori Keita, which we've seen work well for teams that play against Verona this year. But all you have to do if you're Verona is keep the ball alive on first contact. It doesn't have to be good. All you have to do is keep it alive because the, the trio of Sapozhkov, Keita, and Rock Mozic might be the best three out-of-system attackers together in the world. Like, that is yeah. unbelievable luxury to be able to pass so badly and beat Lube 3-0 to zero like that. And uh, Kata offensively fantastic reception terrible absolute yeah. liability as usual but uh, if Verona can continue to get away with it like that watch out 
Yeah, 100%. I do think that you're seeing guys like Chenineese. He only has eight serves on the day, right? Which means he's going out and the other team is siding out on him every single time. He's Same been thing float with, serving. With... I, I, I looked at that actually at the end of the season. Like I was expecting to see more of an impact from Chenineese serving. He has barely jump spin served at all this year. I think they've, they haven't been happy with his consistency and they've got too much error proneness elsewhere in the serving lineup and they've kind of told him to stay down. So he's basically lollipopping a ball in every time. Yeah, 100%. You're giving um, Botolo the green light. Yant has been terrible. He had five serves with three errors, no aces. Um, uh, Nikolov was a little bit better. I think he was serving coming off the bench. Um, he went went three aces with, with three errors. Zaitsev, of course, gets the, the green light as well. But they just don't put that much pressure on. And I haven't really seen much serving strategy, especially when you look at how many times, like like Gini, um, the libero, for Verona is getting the ball served at him the most. And he's passing 70% positive, 30% perfect, whereas Peta has eight or nine less attempts, and he's 22% positive and 11 perfect. Terrible the, service. Bro, if, if I go in, I do one thing. I'm like, hey, we're gonna, we're not gonna, we're not gonna respect the middle whatsoever. They can score on one on O's all day, and if they start beating us that 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 way, then we're gonna readjust and we're gonna give every single ball to Namura Keda. Hell, we're gonna underhand serve it to him because he can't handle it. You're gonna move him around, like you're going to punish them for getting rid of Gord Perrin yes. and making sure that they don't have someone else to go go for. So this to me is just a terrible terrible coaching play um by lubeck what what how does john lorenzo blangini not figure that out this is a guy that's won scudettos like there are guys in this lube team that should know better i don't understand that so if, if they don't adjust if they don't adjust tomorrow on the road in verona and have just a better all over all around approach to serving lube is done and they're going to be out in fifth and they're not even sniffing champions league next year no they'll be going to hang hang, hang out in the challenge cup with uh Biakos <laughs> and tel aviv where uh, that's where their their old boy Jiri Kovar is, where he belongs. Yeah. Hey, come on. No, no slander on Kovar. We like Kovar. We, uh, we like some things about Kovar. That's for sure. Ask, yeah. ask the Discord what Jiri Kovar is famous for. Exactly. For right. four, four twenty Jiri uh, Kovar. All right. Yeah. Let's 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 move on to the next the next game. Trentino getting the job done in tight though against Monza. I said it. Last week, I do think that this series is going to be a banger, and we saw it here again. Monza coming so, 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 so close uh, to the almost, reverse sweep yeah, almost one. reverse yeah. swept them. Man, yeah, Monza deserves a lot of credit. I mean, you go down two to zero, and you come back and and punch back at twenty five to thirteen in the third. Like I was watching this game and. Oh, trying to watch three games at the same time is never easy. Thanks, Volleyball World. But uh, <laughs> Trentino took out all the starters midway through the third set. Like, they, they, were getting, they were getting absolutely smoked, and I think Lorenzetti smartly pulled the starters, like, all right, this set's over. Let's get ready for the fourth. But they weren't good in the fourth either. So Monza deserves a lot of credit. Um, guess who we saw start most of the match, Everett? We saw Kachopa. Kachopa back in a mostly full-time starting setter role, which was great to see. He came off the bench in the first and played the rest of the game. That was awesome. Uh, Grozer was pretty good. Um, had a couple unfortunate, unforced errors in the fifth, though. Uh, Vlad Daviskiba, not very good at all. Steven Marr was outstanding, but didn't pass quite as well. Um, and kind of like I said last week, if there was an opportunity for Monza to really 
have an impact in that series right after Trentino's crazy game against Zaxa a couple days before I thought that Moans's best chance to win the series was to take game one and they almost did in the reverse sweep but it was a couple late errors in the fifth that kind of sealed their fate yeah absolutely I think that this one was a battle all the way through we saw Grozier kind of struggle um in the first set they started Schwartz it didn't work out for Schwartz so they brought Grozier back in and he really figured it out he was 21 for 35 on the afternoon 29 points overall um and was was just outstanding very interesting that to see Kachopa who hasn't set all year kind of get get it going now in the quarterfinals it's what gonna be very been, interesting. man what could have been if he didn't get hurt Oh, if this if he didn't get hurt, this team's like pushing pushing the top five. I think you know, like it's it's up there for sure. They've been gritty all year. I think Yan Zimmerman coming in has been fantastic. But at the end of the day, we saw how good Kachopa was for Brazil at the World Championships, and and how he stepped in. And I mean, what I've heard from from some of the guys in Monza is that you know Kachopa might be some one of the best setters they've ever seen. So. It's 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 good. Yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting, especially game two, heading back to Monza. I think that one's going to be a banger. I think this one's going to de- limit. I think Monza's going to win the next game at home. Well, Trentino loves five setters. Uh, certainly, we see it from them all the time. Uh, maybe they love five match series as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think like they went to for they went to uh, they went to five last year with uh, Milano in the first. Or sorry, it, they went to three, three with Piacenza, with and then they went to five before losing to either Perugia or Lube. Uh, Lube, they lost to Lube. That's right. They were up two to zero in that semifinal series, and then got reverse swept in the series to to end their season. I remember that. So yeah, they they love going the distance, no matter the format. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on to the final uh, series. You know that this one has so much on the line emotionally. Oh, yeah. Modena, Piacenza, two teams that we expected to be in that CEV Cup Finals. Unfortunately, we won't get it, but luckily we have the five-game series here. Modena takes game one, 15-11 in the fifth. Um, Just outstanding overall. Um, where are Lagumja was pretty good. 16 for 32 uh, with three aces. W- what did you think of this match, Rob? Really, really competitive. I think exactly kind of like we thought going in a lot on the line, a lot of high level names, a lot of guys that have been there before, a lot of super competitive dudes, Lagumja against his former team, Leal against his former team. Um, g- just great names, slug fest, high level stuff. Basically, exactly what it was wasn't the cleanest match of all time, and it's not really going to be. Uh, Twenty-two service errors from Modena, twenty-four from Piacenza. Uh, these teams do kind of need to go after it from the service line to have success, as we have seen from them all year. Uh, but it was it was cool to watch these wings, like all three of them from both teams, really do battle. Like, and they're all so different. Like Tommaso Rinaldi compared to Ingapet, Lagumja, Lucarelli, Leal, and Romano. Tommaso Rinaldi is a nobody by comparison, and he's he's hanging in there uh, playing okay, 19 for 21, or 9 for 21, sorry. Uh, Irvin Ingapet was very, very good, including fantastic in the fifth, uh, but on the Piacenza side, not quite good enough from the wings. Uh, actually, I thought the Lucarelli was pretty good, uh, but Yuri Romano was not good enough, and I think that was part of the difference. No, Romano once again struggling. He only hit at 38%, and his efficiency was way lower that with five unforced errors. That's just too much, um, in, especially in a match like this. But 
you know what? I, I'm I'm not too surprised. I was expecting the offensive numbers to be a little bit better, considering it was a five setter. But hey, that, that's kind of what you get uh, on this one. But you could tell, as you said, it was a slug fest from the baseline. As a good point in the chat, uh, Bruno from Modena, the MVP, he outplayed Antoine Brizard head to head in terms of setters, and it was probably the best match I've seen from Bruno this year. He did an awesome, awesome job with that offense and played really good defense as well. So I was really impressed by Bruno. Um, see if he can keep that up if something's kind of kind of sparked in him now that Modena's in the playoffs. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be interesting to, to for me to see if the old man crew of, of mm-hmm. Modena can keep it going a little bit longer. But I think it's kind of the same thing uh, on the Piacenza side with, you know, Leal and, and Simon, but uh it's it's going to be interesting. I think this is another one that could go the distance. Sure. Either either Modena is going to win early and 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 get it done in three, or it's it's going to go the distance. Sure, yeah, I could see it. Uh, th- probably my favorite series, at least the, of the all the matches on Sunday, which were really good. Um, this was probably my favorite one to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't watch it. Uh, just a little bit of highlights uh, afterwards as I was stuck in a Canadian volleyball hole for the past few weeks. But uh, it looked great uh, on from all the clips and all the highlights that I watched. Yep, very fun. So all four Italian quarterfinals, uh, game two tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, Wednesday at, at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, all on Volleyball World TV. Of course, they're all at the exact same stupid time, but um, you'll be able to do the dumb multi-view thing or hop around with whichever matches are the closest. So uh join the discord with the, the italy channel will be sure to be popping off tomorrow oh yeah 100 percent. it's going to be popping off tomorrow speaking of the italy channel let's move on to the lega volley femminile they are down to i think only three matches left in the regular season does that sound right yeah i think so uh and uh, a couple couple fun results here from week 23 oh, including yeah, just a couple eh? just a couple <laughs> including in the relegation race both the teams that are right now in relegation position pinarola and macerata both win this was crazy macerata beats busto arcicio uh who didn't have rosa maria they didn't have their starting libero so they were uh, understaffed for sure but macerata gets three points and not to be outdone pinarolo gets three points against bergamo who's a playoff team right now so a uh, crazy race there to make the relegation position even more competitive. Um, and unfortunately, another L for your, your darlings, Firenze Everett, losing in five. It was such a good opportunity for Firenze <laughs> to come in. And I, they got so close in five. And they, they, I guess they do make up one point. Like they're only sitting two points behind Busto for that like that uh, eighth and final spot. I did get lucky that both Busto and Bergamo lost. But I'm, I'm with yeah. you. It was a nice opportunity. It, it was a great opportunity. We still have three matches left to go uh, in yes. the season. That was yes. that was the twenty third match. So, uh, yeah, just a little bit frustrating there for the the, the bottom three or the bottom three teams in the playoff race: Bergamo, Busto, and Firenze, all losing. Uh, but if you're Bergamo and Busto, that's even worse. Have losing to the two relegation teams. And if you're the two relegation teams, how disheartening is it that you're like? There we go. We got a big win against a playoff team. Let's go. And then you go and look at the other results, and oh shit, the other team got a <laughs> they win won too. too. So it's so it's chalk, and nothing's changed. Yeah, that sucks. That's 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 a tough break, but um, good for them at least getting some wins. Uh, let's let's take a look at the standings really quick before we uh, jump into another match or two. Macerata's got a lot of ground to make up, man. They're down by four. I think Pinarolo maybe jumping Perugia is possible, but remember, two teams get relegated. 
and uh, Macerata with three matches left, not looking so good. No, absolutely not. Sitting a whole two games behind. Like they basically need to run the table and have Perugia have something bad bad happen to them. Right. Uh, good game. A uh, really good match by Claire Chasse, though, out of the uh, University of Louisville. She was really good, so that was cool. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. It is still going to be interesting, I think, with Firenze um, because they are only, sitting only two games back. Um, let's see who they have to play. Though Canigliano, Ouch. Malonza, and Scandici. Ouch. That is an impossible Ouch. schedule. You have to play the top three teams in the league in your last three games. Uh, and then if you look at Busto, um, they've got Casa Maggiore, Perugia, and... Uh, Monza, so definitely two winnable games, and depending with what Monza is doing these days, we'll, we never know. And finally, Bergamo uh, has to take on Chieri, uh, Scandici, and Casamaggiore. So of those three schedules, Busto definitely has the the easiest one with one of the uh, one of lesser teams. That is a great point. So a uh, playoff race look uh, looking pretty dramatic with three matches left to go. Same with the relegation race. But we also saw a potential finals preview, Everett. We saw Caneliano versus Scandici, uh, which was awesome. Caneliano wins it 3-1. to one. Um, Scandici couldn't quite get any security with the opposite position. I mean, Gardi started and was okay but not great before they brought in Entropova and they handcuffed themselves in the foreigner limit by doing that because uh, they gave Diao the start at setter. Uh, which means you have one less foreigner spot than you can play with. So um, to bring in Entropova, they had to bench Haley Washington, and that is not anything that you ever want to do with one of the best middles in the game. Um, so Caneliano wins. Um, Catherine Plummer, pretty good, passed the ball well. Isabel Hawk was great, 20 for 37. And I will put it on the record right now that I think this is a finals preview. Yeah, definitely, w- without a doubt. Um Scandici has been very good uh, as of late, um, but they just, to me, they just don't stack up against Canigliano. The only chance is that if Malonza catches fire right at the worst time for, for Scandici, right at the best time for them, uh, but I really don't see it happening. Yeah, I don't see it either. Uh, so yeah, good for Canigliano. I wonder, if, I wonder how soon they can clinch the one seed. I know they're at least, uh, actually, they might, have, they might already have it. They're up by seven points. No, not yet. Uh, they're up by seven points for three matches left to play, but they're uh, they're in a very good spot. And Scandici is four points clear of Malonza in third, so they're looking like they're going to take the two seed. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be interesting once we get. I think the playoff series, any 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 games that Conigliano aren't in are going to be interesting. But past that, I think the playoffs are going to be fantastic. Yeah, totally agree. So uh, coming up this week, we've got uh, a Saturday game, Scandici and Cuneo, and then a whole bunch of Sunday games. Uh, Malonza versus Novara is pretty good. That could be for the three versus the four seed, and then Pinarola versus Macerata head to head must win for both. Yeah. All right, a uh, couple more European headlines before we uh, we lean on Everett for some U Sports coverage. Um, the only thing I saw in Poland was that Skrabelkatov won again, and they beat Yashimsky in five. I think yep. there might be a little bit of like a freeing feeling going on there from firing their stupid president. So uh, good for them, but otherwise uh, no real movement in the Plusliga. But I did see the Bundesliga is ready to start their playoffs this weekend. Yeah, finally we're we're getting the Bundesliga playoffs after like the quasi playoffs that we've been yeah, having where they group off one through four then uh then five through eight um interesting Lundberg 
taking down Durin this week. They get the number two seed. Friedrich Schaffen finally gets a win over Berlin, three to one. So the playoffs are going to look like this. Berlin taking off uh, Unterhaching, uh, Durin against Hershing, Lundberg against Nethoppers, and Friedrich Schaffen over Gießen. Yep, so eight teams in the Bundesliga playoffs. I think that starts this weekend. Yeah, I, I do believe that starts uh, this weekend. Yep. And, Saturday uh, and Sunday. As per usual, definitely check out the Bundesliga on the men's side. Bounce House over on Spontent on Twitch has the best broadcast in volleyball, bar none. Fantastic. Even if I don't understand, even if I don't understand a word of German, it is the best. It's one of the few that actually does it in full 1080p and not 720, like we get on Volleyball World TV. What am I paying for? I don't even know. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely check out the uh, um, men's playoffs. Um, Lundberg against Nets Hoppers is going to be going down. Um, it's at 5.30 on Saturday. So that's like what? Like That's 12.30 Eastern Saturday. 12, 12.30 Eastern. And then uh, 3 p.m. Eastern will be Berlin against um, Munich. And then uh, 3 p.m. So that's going to be 10 a.m. Um, on Sundays, Duren versus Hershing. And then 12.30 uh, once again for Friedrichshafen against Gießen on Sunday. So you won't, you can watch them all. There's no games going on at the same time. Amazing. Super How about like, that? <laughs> figure it out. Figure it out. Those are best of three match series, by the way, in the quarterfinals in Germany. Yep. All right. Speaking, all right. Of, speaking of leagues that are about to start their playoffs, uh, I think the LNV in France, the last week of their regular season is this week, right? And then the playoffs start. Yeah, I think right too. <laughs> as I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I'm, I, my my finger has been quite a bit off the pulse for the past two weeks. Thankfully, Canadian volleyball is done here, so I can I can jump back into it. Um, and it does look like there is one more week. You're right. Um, yeah, Journey Event Sis. They have 14 teams in the league. Home and away. This will be the the last week to watch. Um, interesting races. Not really. Yeah, like to get into Montpellier is is holding on to that last spot. They're eleven points ahead of Poitiers, so they won't they won't be getting in. Let's and then Cambrai is getting relegated for sure. So yeah, wow, that that's actually probably the least dramatic last week of the regular season you could ever have. <laughs> Funny, yeah. Like the only thing that could happen is like Chamon and Nantes could switch. Um, Narbonne and Tourcoing could switch there because they. All right, like in the four five spot, Sinner could maybe catch Tolkien, but yeah, it's 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 pretty spread out. So that like this is pretty much what we're gonna get: Tolkien in first, North in second, Chomo in third, Narbonne in fourth, Tolkien in fifth, Sinazaya in sixth. Who they've dropped quite a bit. They were one yeah, of the top three all all season. Set in seventh, and then uh, Montpellier in eighth. Yep, so that's it. Uh, if anything fun happens there, we'll, we'll bring it to you next week, but I doubt it personally. Uh, all right, Everett, one other big piece of news we've got to cover before we talk about U Sports. Our huge, early, huge piece of news. Huge news. Our early reaction. We arguably should have started the show with this. Cer- certainly could have. Our early reactions to the pools that were drawn for the Olympic qualification tournaments. We've got the, the women's on the screen right now because it's happening first. Uh, three pools in China, Japan, and Poland. Canada gets drawn in China with Serbia, Dominican Republic, Netherlands, the Czech Republic, Mexico, and Ukraine. My United States gets drawn to Poland. 
with Italy, Germany, Thailand, Colombia, Korea, and Slovenia. What are your thoughts on, on Canada's chances to qualify for the Olympics uh, playing against those other seven teams in China in September? I mean, there's no doubt that this is going to be a difficult, like all, all three pools are difficult to a degree, but I think we might have the easiest pool. Serbia is, is the favorite. China has not been good and has been struggling and it's not the usual China. Yes, they're going to be playing at home, but they don't have Zhu Ting. Like they don't have their, their squad that they usually do. The Dutchies have been up and down. I would absolutely love to beat the Dominican Republic in this situation. And, and we've kind of been in that, that scenario recently. And then Czech, Mexico, and Ukraine, you know, thank you for participating. Have a cookie. Um, you, you can get going. <laughs> Um, I think that's kind of the situation in all three of the pools where those bottom three teams are just like, thank you very much for participating. And then the top five have, have really have a shot. Um, but, you know, when, when I look at like pool B, Japan is really tough to beat. They're better than China. Brazil is Brazil. Turkey is, is, is Turkey. They're fantastic. And then you look at pool C with Poland, Italy, and the USA. Germany is pretty solid. And Thailand's a really tough team to beat. I love where we are. Because I look at the teams ahead of us and I see three winnable games. There's only one of those games that to me is like, a, all right, we'll take and the loss. That would be Serbia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 100%. But everything after that uh, is going to be, you know, winnable games. Do I think we have the depth in a tournament like this where you're going to have to play seven matches? Maybe not, right? But I love the pool that we're in. I don't think we could be in a better position. Okay, uh, so let's see if the Canadian women can head to the Olympics. Have what, has your has your women's team ever played in the Olympic Games? I don't think so. Maybe like maybe like '84 when all of those Eastern Bloc teams. Uh, um, oh, they they boycotted out. out. And, yeah. yeah, but no. how how do you feel about Pool C for Team USA? Great. I feel great. Uh, we can we can beat every team in that pool easily, with the exception of Italy. Uh, Poland on the road may be a question mark, but uh, and, and we, we can match up OK with Italy on the women's side. Germany, Thailand, Colombia, Korea, Slovenia, no problem. So I really like the USA's chances. I think the hardest pool, like the pool with the three best teams is pool B. Japan and Brazil, like that world championship rematch is going to be amazing. Uh, Brazil versus Turkey, like those fan bases alone will be amazing to watch. And um, Turkey versus Japan, so drastically different in style. Like those three teams uh, battling for two spots at the Olympics, that I think is going to be the most fun drama in the Olympics, in, on the women's side in this whole tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that Belgium, you know, Belgium is still a very, very right. good team. They Probably still the best four- of those four seeds if I had to pick, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, probably like they're better than they're better than the Dutch and and Germany. I don't think they're better than us. I'm pretty sure we beat them uh, at VNL. Um, But when you look at the bottom half of that, that pool, Bulgaria, Puerto Rico, Argentina, Peru, that's where it gets a little bit a little bit. If you're I think Peru, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico and Argentina are better than Chechnya, Mexico, Colombia and, and Korea. But Bulgaria is weaker than Thailand and Canada. Right. I agree. So, I mean, a lot of these, like, I still don't understand this tournament. It's seven matches in nine days. That's absurd. And, like, at least two of the teams, if not three in every pool, have absolutely no business being there. So I don't really, I don't really understand that. Let's, let's, let's spread this tournament out and, and give, give spots to teams that actually have a chance or might deserve to actually go to the Olympics. 
By the way, Canada did qualify for the Olympics on the women's side, 96 in Atlanta. I'm guessing that's due to the fact that uh, the USA was already uh, qualified as being the host. Yeah, I probably got got through North Seca a little bit easier. Yeah, that makes sense. Exactly. So that's it for the women's side. Let's take a look at the men's. Uh, This draw we were talking about last week, everybody was hoping for the pool with China. And Everett, congratulations. Canada has won the lottery. Uh, Canada is in Pool C with China, Poland. Good luck. Argentina, the Netherlands, Mexico, Belgium, and Bulgaria. What are your thoughts on that pool? All in all, this might be the toughest pool top to bottom, right? Like China is kind of a, is kind of a gimme, uh, right? But we saw Mexico last year really play Bulgaria tough, and like they they got a win at the at the World Championships. Um, you still have Belgium when you still have bulgaria but it's the it's the easiest pool to 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 potentially win um of course not having anyone but argentina would have been nice (laughs) our argentina is of course our kryptonite the the ones who beat us back in the um 2020 uh tokyo uh, olympic race and and knocked us out and made us go to that last chance qualifier so that was a little bit tough but when you look at how some of the other pools like breakdown i i like this way better china is of course the easiest of the three hosts by without far. a doubt by, by far. far um so that's going to be super easy um the dutch are they're one they're one player deep and that's and that's namir and traditionally we play the dutch really easy i don't care what burkai is saying or um Someone, someone is saying, "Oh yeah, Burkai is is saying that we're not going to beat them." Pfft, whatever. Um, you guys go lose to Denmark again. Yeah, Burkai um, also thinks that Turkey is going to beat the United States in Pool B. There's not a chance in the entire there's world. Not that a chance. But yeah, and here. then Mexican, Belgian, Belgium, and and Bulgaria. Um, if I will Arca- say those those three those three teams: Mexico, Belgium, Bulgaria. As far as seeds six, seven, and eight go, by far the best far out of any pool. By far the hundred percent. When you're looking at Pool B with Tunisia, Egypt, and Finland, like, can we spread the African teams up a little bit? Like, why are we putting them in the same pool? What's going What's going on here? Because it's Chet- it's volleyball, Everett. We have to draw lots. That's what we have to do, and that's what happens sometimes. Embarrassing. Um, and then in Pool A, Germany and Czechia. I think Czechia, especially, like they've got. I I know they haven't had that much success, but when you look at the collection of athletes that they have um across different pro leagues like if you bring them all together they they could be good and then qatar thank you very much for, t- for participating uh w- whatever um and burkai is going you know nuts in the chat about uh turkey losing to denmark it's whatever but yeah pool a i think is is pretty tough with brazil italy iran and cuba as well yeah, that's that's going to be a fun pool uh, in Brazil. It, Italy at Brazil is going to be an amazing match. Uh, Iran can beat anybody and lose to anybody. Cuba can beat anybody and lose to anybody. And kind of Ukraine as well. I mean, we saw them have a miracle run at the World Championship, but you never know. I don't know how sustainable that is. So I think that pool could be a lot of chaos. I am thrilled with the United States' draw. I, I, I'm not sure that this could have gone any better. So the United States with Japan and pool B, we get Slovenia as the three seed. We can definitely beat them. We get Serbia as the four seed. We can beat Turkey in the fifth, no problem. And then Tunisia, Egypt, Finland. And the best part about that is that we can play the bench against Tunisia, Egypt, and Finland and still win those three games to keep the guys fresh for four games in nine days 
instead of seven games in nine days. And I love that. I absolutely love that we can legitimately rest the starters in a couple of these games and still not have to sweat. That, that, that's an amazing draw for us. Yeah, 100 percent uh we're okay in the chat we really needed a usa canada cuba turkey finland volleyball source nightmare group just for the vibes that would have been <laughs> that would have been such a fun group with uh you know some of the more biased people vocal discord. discord members <laughs> yeah a- absolutely i would love to see cuba and finland in the same same group just to see ronnie ronnie and bean dog uh go a- <laughs> after it but uh, you're right pool b is kind of ripe for for the taking for you guys. Um, and you have a lot of opportunities to to rest your guys, whereas both other pools, you don't really have that as much. You know, there's one gimme game in, in uh, pool A with with Qatar, but in pool C, I guess you do have the one gimme game with, with China. Yeah, then that's, that's really it. I mean, Me- Mexico is no gimme. Ask Bulgaria. They're also in that pool. They know how that went at the World Championship. And I think Belgium is a team who's slipped so far down the world rankings on the men's side that we kind of forget that they're actually kind of good. I know they had a really bad Euro volley last time out, which is why they've dropped down so far. But uh, Belgium is a little bit scary, too. So top to bottom, Pool C is very hard, even though you get the easiest host in China. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really depending dependent on which one, which which of our athletes come back. And uh, yeah, it's it's that. That's all I'm going to say about that because our our national team might be an interesting situation this summer. Well, it certainly will be, and we've got a, a, a lot to to follow along with the Canadian program as Samelva takes over. We get to VNL and all that, but it starts as far as Canadian volleyball goes. It starts right here. Everett, you were there. The U Sports Men's National Championship in Canada. Trinity Western wins it a year after Ben Joe's departure and that disappointment of losing to Alberta last year. Uh, the Spartans hoist the trophy. Tell us all your thoughts from being there at McMaster. Yeah, the seventh uh, time the Trinity Western Spartans have hoisted the Tantramar Trophy. And to be honest, they were without a doubt the most dominant team there all, all weekend long. Big shout out to Adam Schreimer. He is the youngest ever coach to coach a team to a championship. Only 27 years old. Like Crazy. He could he could still be the guy for the national team. He chose to to go back um, and talk with, with Benjo over the years. It, it was really seen that this was their their goal, you know. Adam wanted to be the head coach of this team. He wanted to lead this team. And I personally thought going into the season that it was maybe a little bit early, but getting to see him in action as the head coach, getting to speak to him, getting to hear him talk about his season. We did, you know, a breakdown with, with all the coaches and a few players on Thursday as a part of the media team, just to get a good, a good sense. I was blown away and so impressed by his maturity and his poise and the way he, he led that team. Um, there, there was no doubt that this team was the most prepared for, for the national championships. It kind of blows my mind that they lost to Alberta in the Canada West final, the, the way that they did, but it sounds like they just didn't play well. They didn't uh, respond to the adversity of having to play at the, the Sawville center and the Sawville center at, at Alberta is difficult to play in. Um, so yeah, big ups to them. Um, a, a few notes for me, first and firm foremost, I saw a lot of people talking, uh, in the uh, discord about how Sherbrooke got lucky. Sherbrooke did not get lucky. That was a really, really good team who had to play a Trinity Western team who played their best match in the final 12, 12 aces. aces, 12 aces for, for Trinity Western in the final was 
absolutely bonkers. Jesse Elser had seven of them. Remember when you guys were saying mm-hmm. that Jesse Elser was wa- washed up and wasn't even that good anymore? Yeah, Metal McCann, shut your mouth. Go take a walk, have a cookie, because he was absolutely unreal. The three-headed giant that was Jesse Elser, Brody Hofer, and Henry Rempel on the right side was absolutely unreal. You can start to see uh, go and check out some of my highlight videos. Their first one against Montreal is up. Their semifinal against McMaster will be up in the morning. They were hands down the best best team at the tournament. On Alberta's side, they struggled from the get-go. Right, they went down 0-1 Toronto in the in the first uh, match of the tournament. They were losing the second, and they really pushed it back just on the back of Jordan Cannon, who had 31 points and was unreal. Whoa. Big ups to Jordan Cannon. Sorry, go ahead. That I mean, th- 31 is ridiculous. I, I remember yeah. Cam Cannon last year for Alberta being amazing, but was he playing left side this year? No, he was. He was on the right side. He was on the right. It, you could tell that. It, like first and foremost, Isaac Heslinga did not have a great tournament. He was not looking like like he he did before. Uh, Alberta really missed not having Max Elgert. Cam Kern is is pretty good, but he's not Elgert just in terms of the way he runs the offense and his his accuracy. Um, the P two position was a rolling uh, a rolling issue. Um, Jacob Sargent did not look good. They had to go to Bryce Newells, who looked a really a little bit better, but wasn't that much of a of a factor offensively. Down the middle, they struggle. Billy Johnson only hit a few good balls all week long. Um, but yeah, we saw them kind of struggle against Toronto. They kind of they finally figured it out and just imposed their game off of the back of of uh, Jordan Canham. And you could tell that they were kind of ripe for the taking. And I there was people in the Discord who was going, "Okay, cool." Um, it's going to be a Trinity versus Alberta final again. And I was like, guys, like Sherbrooke is a good team. Sherbrooke is a very good team. They were well coached. Um, Jonathan Portorance, in my opinion, was probably the second best setter in the tournament behind uh, Matthias Elser. Um, Yoan David, I posted a clip of him today. Well, the right side was an absolute monster and just a total beast. He looked um, incredible. He looked really, really good. First team All-Canadian, well-deserved. Zach Collins was fantastic on the left side. And uh, Sébastien Lapensé was so solid and serve receive on defense. You could just tell that everyone had their role. And everything knew what, what they needed to do. They had just graduated one player from their bronze medal um, from the year before. And I remember talking to um, their head coach, Fethi Abed. Um, it's it's funny enough that the, the two best teams in Munch, in uh, in um, Quebec are run by guys from Tunisia and a bunch of all of the best Quebec coach are now running our national team. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, you know, back when they, the Quebec wasn't that good, but uh, yeah, this, this Sherbrooke team just dominated Alberta and the semifinals. And it was like, they couldn't get a sniff. They shut down Canem. They served strong from the baseline, but ultimately they just hadn't seen anything like Trinity serving at all uh, in the finals. On the other side of the bracket, um, you had McMaster take down Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan, I was a little bit disappointed with. Um, I think they did really, really well to get there, and they faced so much adversity. I mean, Sean McKay only took back control of that team in September due, due to a whole bunch of fuckery that was going along, along with you know, administration and whatnot. But McMaster, you could tell that they had something more to play with Preston's last go um, at the helm of, of that team. Um, a big 3 nothing win for them, and then just you know, this is this five straight national uh, championships 
um, matchups between Trinity Western and McMaster, where Trinity Western has won three one, and and typical fashion, they lose the first and then win the next three. I know that a lot of the Hamilton media were being like, "Well, how did Mac lose?" And I was just like, "Guys, like Mac, Mac would have need to have played their best game at all of the season, and Trinity Western would have had to have a bad game to to lose to to the way that the Spartans were playing." But still, big up for Max to for Mac to figure things out, go back to the drawing board and win that bronze medal against Alberta on Sunday. I was kind of thinking that was going to happen and talking to some of the Mac guys after the semifinal, they were, they were telling me like, Hey, look, we've, we've, we've got a medal to win tomorrow. Right. And no one wanted Preston to go out on the loss. Right. Um, including the refs, I might say, because there was <laughs> there was a few, there was a few, not that many, but there is definitely a couple, um, uh, a couple uh, hometown calls, yes. let's say, by the lines people. As I, if I was on the broadcast, and we could see on the highlights that there was a few balls that were called out that were clearly in. Um, but at the end of the day, like when Alberta lost to Sherbrooke in the semifinals, um, they were dejected. Right. There was tears on the bench. There was guys who were just sitting there like with a hundred yard stare. And whereas Mac had lost the earlier game and was already ready to go watching that final scouting them. So you could just tell that Alberta just didn't have that much that like anything left in the tank. Landon Curry, who I rate as one of the best liberos in Canada, um, suffered an injury in that semifinal. So he didn't even play uh, in, in the bronze medal match. So big, big ups to uh, McMaster for taking it home. It was an emotional moment kind of everyone sending off Dave Preston as that final point was scored. He kind of just stood there and soaked it all in. You could tell his, his coaching staff was kind of standing aside. Um, and yeah, it was, it was emotional. I, I managed to to go and see him afterwards to give him a, a, a great big hug and, you know, thank him for everything he's done for, for the OUA uh, for OUA volleyball in general. I will have to say, um, Montreal ended up winning, getting fifth. They beat Saskatchewan. And I think two of the best matches were the five setters, uh, that Montreal played. They beat Saskatchewan in the, in, to get into the fifth place match. And then they beat Toronto in the fifth place match. That was, those were the only two five setters that we had in the tournament. And they're both really, really good. One thing I have to say, and this is going to piss a lot of people off in Ontario, the OUA is no longer the conference that is challenging the Canada West as the best conference in Canada. It's now the RSEQ. Wow. The OUA has dropped off 100%. And this is coming from someone who is a huge homer of the OUA, who loves the OUA, but the OUA needs to figure it out and get better. Windsor was not good. They did not they didn't have a good showing. They got slapped by Sherbrooke in the first round. They were not ready for that heat and then just kind of got handled by by U of T again. Um like both of those teams, both Sherbrooke and Montreal, were really, really good. Montreal gave Trinity Western a huge run for their money. You guys can check up those highlights. They're already up on YouTube. Um, and they probably should have sent it to four. Like They were leading well, like well after 20 uh, in that uh, quarterfinal match in set number three. So I definitely think that over the past decade, we've just seen so much dominance from one school and one school alone, and that's Laval. And now like Sherbrooke, Sherbrooke is legit. They have a program. And let me tell you, I got to watch their, their SAGEP team play in Canada. It's a little bit different in terms of eligibility because, univ- or because uh, high school in Quebec ends a year early. 
they technically oh. end in grade 11 and then you go to SEGEP, which is like a preparatory like college almost and then you go to university you can play three years of SEGEP with without affecting your eligibility before going into university so you can go in as a 20 year old having played college ball in the ccaa basically for three years without having um without having any uh without effect affecting your eligibility um whereas you can't do that that's a that's a, that's a lot of school man that's like it is it is a lot you, of school don't you get five in youth sports like that's yeah that's eight so you years can be 20, like 25 years old and i think that's i think that's a lot of why we see maybe some uh, Quebecois guys not go pro because like they're just kind of tired of volleyball at that point. Um, but like, I got to see the Volontaire de Sherbrooke, which is their Sejep team play at the CCAA nationals. And like Sherbrooke volleyball is up and coming. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to say it here first. The OUA needs to figure it out. It's way tougher because they can't give the same scholarships as the can West or RSEQ. Um, and that's why you're seeing like there's, Ontario guys on Trinity Western. There's like Isaac Heslinga is an Ontario guy playing for um, playing for Alberta. The best Ontario guys are no longer staying in Ontario. And now that Preston's leaving McMaster, I think Ontario's about to take a huge step back. I'm as someone who loves OUA volleyball, I'm very worried about the, the future of it. And I don't see the only candidates who I think would be able to fill in Preston's shoes right now I don't really they've already told me they're not going for those jobs so I I see Ontario taking a big step back in in general interesting Um, I have have a a couple takes and a couple questions for you Um, one I was really impressed by Jesse Elser Uh, Mm -hmm. there's I know Matthias Elser was MVP of the tournament he was awesome but Jesse Elser especially with how bad he was in last year's final against Alberta to be that good and to just destroy people from the baseline like that was cool for him. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that was very, very validating. Uh, I also wanted to shout out Dave Preston. Not very many people get to end their careers or end their seasons alone, but especially end their careers with a win. And uh, it's cool that you guys play like three meaningful games on that last day of the tournament instead of just one. And so uh, congrats to, to Preston on, on uh, ha- having a sweet end to his career and then uh, kind of a question, but just, just, just generally with what we were talking about before with the future of the Canadian national team and it, it being just so, so uncertain with a brand new head coach who doesn't know that much about the lower levels of Canadian volleyball. How much of an impact do you, do you predict, Everett, this particular group of U-sports guys will have on Team Canada in the near future? I think this is gonna these these particular guys are gonna have a, a huge impact. When you look at guys like the Elser brothers, both Jesse and Matthias, you look at Brody Hofer, you look at Jordan Canham, um, you look at Sam Cooper at McMaster, yeah. Landon Curry, guys like that. I think that these guys are gonna have a massive impact on the national team, and they're truly the core of that national team moving forward. I've I've talked about it before. The B team that I saw in Gatineau last summer is very similar to the B team that I remember back from 2012. And that was guys like TJ Sanders, Nick Hogue, Steve Marshall, Rudy Verhoof, guys like guys that really built the Maple Volleys moving forward. So I really think that this year is going to have a a massive impact. I was talking to an agent who comes, who's been coming to, um, uh, nationals for a while now and he's, it's a guy who represents the likes of like Stephen Marr and Eric Lepke and, and a few others and he was telling me that watching this tournament there was about seven eight guys who had the ability to compete 
in the top leagues in Europe. Like seven or who eight guys. Set, seven or eight guys who had the ability and he, you know i i, know I don't even are. know if we have that many in the ncaa that's a really high number yeah and he's saying you know that it's it's there's there's certain programs and like trinity is a program that builds their teams so that their guys can go off and play at the next level right that's why we see them serve so tough and that's exactly what he was he was telling me that like you've seen how trinity has changed the way that they coach their athletes so that they can go play professionally afterwards and i don't think that necessarily some of the other teams uh teams are doing that wow very interesting uh yeah. so yeah i know there's already a bunch of highlights come that are already on the volleyball source youtube channel and there's more coming uh also great job on the broadcasts mr delorme it was great to Appreciate finally hear that. you call some games so uh that was cool pretty much all those vods are up on um like cbc sports youtube right in yeah, case all, anybody wants to hear your beautiful voice yeah all the game all the videos on demand are going to be are up on the cbc sports uh youtube page um all of the baseline highlights are going to be coming out all of the quarterfinals are up the semifinals are going to be up tomorrow and we're going to kind of keep them going big shout out to andrew lee from the discord uh to come in and help me out he was a massive help and he's edited pretty much all the videos and i just have to touch them up which is which is perfect fantastic he was amazing so once again big shout out to uh to andrew lee and uh Next year, I will be on the championships match because it was a little bullshit that I that I wasn't. Um, Good and just, news. Just doing the consolations, but uh, hey, it, sometimes you got to take what you're given, and uh, I made I made the best of it. Yep, moving up in the world. All right. Uh, last but not least, before we wrap up the show, it's been a long one. More U Sports on the women's side. UBC at home beats Trinity Western to win nationals. Am I wrong in thinking ever that UBC was only in that tournament because they were hosting? And then oh, they go all the way and win. You're not wrong at all. I mean, this was a massive upset. I wasn't even expecting them to. I was. I picked Brock to win that quarterfinal game. Um, so the fact that they made it to the finals and 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 won to me is incredible. I haven't been had the chance to go back and watch it. I do know that I think it's Kayla Oxland, um, who the Oxland is is the Oxlands are are a very good band, volleyball family from. BC uh, that wasn't available and was wasn't even playing in the, the in the playoffs all that much and then was available for for this tournament so that was a huge thing but yeah um, War Memorial Gym when it's as packed as it was is a tough place to play and you could tell you could tell from uh, some of some of the videos and big shout out to the goat of all goats Mr. Doug Reimer winning his tenth his tenth national championship ten. that's that's right ten ten. 10 the 10 is a ridiculous number and uh yeah i'm getting uh someone in this in the chat saying here everett you were down on dalhousie and they won bronze you're right i was wrong about dalhousie i thought that they would lose to you and not only did they beat them in the first round they beat uh, manitoba for the bronze as well but there is a ton of upsets um in this one i mean other than trinity western all of the lower seeds won that first round matchup Right, Dalhousie beat UCAM, Manitoba beat uh, uh, MRU, UBC beat Brock. So this one was truly a toss-up, um, and I, I I'm going to have to go back over the next few days and, and watch some of the matches because, um, yeah, I obviously didn't didn't get to watch them. But big big shout out to the UBC Thunderbirds, and even more of a shout out to the goat of all goats, Mister Douglas Reimer, for winning his tenth 
national championship. There's some girl named Elise Petit on UBC that went 20 for 55 in the final. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah that's that's pretty gross, especially for for U Sports women's volleyball. Whoa. Um, yeah, that's that's awesome. So, yeah, and now U Sports volleyball is done, and I can go back and focus on professional uh, watching professional volleyball because I haven't really watched it over the past couple of weeks. <laughs> Good to have you back, my friend. Uh, speaking of university volleyball, new number one team in the country in the NCAA. It is none other than Penn State. Penn State is number one now after Hawaii lost to like split matches with Long Beach over the weekend. So that was pretty notable. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's getting really interesting in the NCAA. Um, they it, they got swept by Long Beach and then swept them again the next night. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's uh, it it's awesome, Rob. I think we need to look into maybe getting down to the NCAA Final Four. I, think I would love that. Uh, that is in like the first week of May at George Mason in Virginia. We'll see what we can do. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's it. It's been a very long show, probably one of our longest ones. Well-deserved, a lot of good stuff to talk about. I mean, Champions League was ridiculous. We had Italy, we had the Olympic qualification draw, and we had U Sports. So uh, no shortage of good content. This is this is what you expect from us every Tuesday, boys and girls. Yeah, absolutely. Are you? What's your plan for watching tomorrow? Are you going to be watching some games? I will be watching some games. I will be in the all Discord. Right. I, will, I will, will be with all of you. So uh, a lot of volleyball tomorrow, both uh, Superliga and Champions League women. So uh, tune in. Any interest in doing a, a live watch along tomorrow for, uh, Ooh, for some stuff? Sure, I, th- I think that can be arranged. All right, let's let's we'll 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 let you guys know in the Discord if if we end up doing that. Yep. So join the Discord. Uh, uh, give us give us a couple more thumbs up on the video if you like what you're watching. Uh, this will be out on audio format as well right after the show if you want to listen to it that way. But yeah, same time, same place next Tuesday. All right, awesome. Thank you very much, guys, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>